0: This is the I Will Teach You a Language Podcast, episode 89.
1: Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language Podcast, weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Now, you, you might remember in the last episode, I mentioned that I've been looking into, um, into nutrition and the way that that affects your, your memory and its potential impact on language learning. And it occurred to me that actually maybe some of you guys out there might have some ideas or even some experiences. Have you ever kind of, uh, made an alteration to your diet that had a, like a, a really big impact on your learning or, or, or something like that? Maybe if, if you've got any thoughts on that or any personal experience, I'd love to hear it. Please, uh, get in touch. You can, uh, you can write to me at ollie at com uh, anytime. Love to hear from you. Uh, we've got a wonderful question today, uh, but I'd like to start off by thanking the sponsors of the show, italki. And if you're looking for a wide variety of teachers from all different backgrounds, with different skill sets, experience levels, uh, personality types, basically the perfect teacher for you, then italki is the best place to get that. And you can get a free lesson by going to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Right, I love this question today. Let's dive straight in to the question from Zena.
1: Hi, Ollie. My name is Zina, and I wanted to know if you have any advice for recovering a forgotten childhood language. I'm told that I spoke Mandarin fairly fluently from the age to three to six, so a very short time and early in life, but uh, we stopped using it at home. I started attending school in English and forgot pretty much all of it, maybe a few words here and there. I'm 26 years old now. I've had some success learning French and Italian, first starting in school and then doing some self-study and conversation lessons on italki. Um, but want to return to Chinese and I'm always hesitant on where to start as it is so different from romance languages and seems so foreign to me now as an adult. So I wanted to know if A, you have any advice on whether... The knowledge I had of Mandarin as a child can be recovered somehow, or B, how to get your basics, how to get started in a language other than a romance language, when you're kind of used to studying those romance languages, how to get a start in something that is so different from those. Love your show. Looking forward to hearing your answer. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, Zina, thanks very much for a very, very cool question. And I think the first thing I'd say is, if you haven't already, go back and check out episode 62. Because in that episode, we talked about uh, the questioner wanted to know how to get back on the horse, as it were, after three months off studying her target language. Um, so that I think my my reply to that would, is going to have quite a lot to do, uh, going to have quite a lot of relevance to my reply to you as well. Um, so definitely go back and check that one out. You can find that at uh, com forward slash episode 62. In that case, it was three months. In your your case, it's like 20 years. So we've got a, you know, a bigger challenge, perhaps. But it's also a huge opportunity because, you know, you spoke fluent Chinese from the age of three to six. Now, you know, what we know about kids is that when children learn languages, they, they, uh, they do it in a very, very uh, intuitive way. They do it in a very, you know as your mother tongue it becomes hardwired into your into your system and at certain points during your childhood your body actually shuts down and prevents you from picking up new new skills in the language so you know a very well known example is that of, of pronunciation in a language um in the vast majority of cases it's it's impossible for a adult to uh, develop native-like pronunciation after the age of 14, for example. That's that's very commonly documented phenomenon. Not, not completely impossible, but it's exceptionally rare. Um, and I heard recently my friend Richard was saying that your ability to detect new sounds in your mother tongue actually stops at eight months, which is kind of crazily early. So all of which is to say that if you spoke fluent Chinese from three to six, then it is in there somewhere and it can almost certainly be be resurrected. The difficulty is to know where to start, right? And to know what exactly it is that can be resurrected. Uh, that's that's the hard part and that's what we have to try and get to the bottom of. So, I mean, yeah, so that's the, the positive note to start off on. And and also, you know, I, don't be too hard on yourself for thinking that, you know, Perhaps that you have, you know, missed an opportunity, or you're at a big disadvantage to other people from a Chinese background. Because, you know, I remember at when I was at secondary school, as we call it here, which is the your high school, I guess. Uh, about 14 years old, a friend of mine from a French family took his A-level French, which is the exam that you take typically when you're 17 or 18. So, like four years ahead of his time, he took this exam because he his family was from France right and everybody thought oh he's going to ace the exam but he didn't i think he got a a good grade but not a not a great grade he got a b or a c or something like that and the reason is because even though he spoke the language fluently at home he didn't have that academic background and that's what you need to pass a high school exam right so you know really whatever stage Uh, you leave a language or you stop actively using a language in childhood, there is going to be a certain gap in your knowledge there. You might be able to speak the language quite well, but not be able to function in it in any kind of formal uh, work or academic uh, scenario. So I just wanted to say that so that you don't uh, feel that, you know, because I didn't detect in your voice that you did at all, but often people do have these kind of negative feelings about having, you know, left behind a language. So, yeah, this is the question then, what would you do differently? And, you know, it's a very interesting question. And and I think there is an assumption behind your question, though, which is that you should do something differently to anyone else who wanted to learn Chinese because of your background. And honestly, I don't think you should. I think really, if anything, you should just approach learning Chinese just as anybody else would. Irrespective of their background, because we don't have any better place to start, do we? At this stage, this is your your kind of best bet. I'm I'm certain that as you start to study and as you go, you're going to start to you you will find things certain things easier than someone learning parallel to you without that that heritage. But we, because we don't know what those things are, it's uh, it's impossible to say. You know, you should approach study in such and such a way so i'd say you know just approach it as you would with any other language and just kind of watch what happens just notice when stuff starts to become familiar because it will i don't i honestly don't think that you're given that you're given your background i honestly don't think that it would be smart to set about studying in in any other way you've still got all of the hard work to do unfortunately Uh, but one thing i would say is that if we're thinking about you know, the best, your best chance of kind of recovering the language that you used to have, the best chance of reactivating what was once there is going to be going back to the kinds of things that you used to do when you were that age. Now, I'm guessing that from three to six, you used to watch certain cartoons, right? We all watched cartoons when we were that age. right? So I would say talk to your parents, ask them what you used to Be into any kind of books you used to read, any TV series or cartoons you used to watch over and over. And try and get hold of those because I'm sure that if you started looking at those, you you know some memories would be jogged. I've got clear memories from from being that age, five and six. Uh, So I'm sure that if you can get hold of some of those materials, you're at least you know. I'm not sure from a linguistic point of view how. Effective it would be, but it's the best possible place to start. So, uh, to go and do that, and if you find out, I'd love to hear what what it was. If if you find out that you used to watch certain cartoons or whatever, let me know uh, what they were. I'd be fascinated to to hear um, what happens if you can actually get hold of those and rewatch them to see whether your memory is jogged in any way. That would be really interesting to know. So, the second part of your question is: Well, how do you approach a non-romance language? And again, I think we have to approach this assuming that you have no special advantage uh, we have to approach this from the standpoint of of anybody else learning a non-romance language for the first time and I've got you know very direct experience of this all my language my first four languages were romance languages and then I started with Asian languages and I learned um, Japanese and Cantonese and then Arabic and it was each of those languages were many many times harder than the romance languages I think that if as I guess you are, you know, you've got experience with romance languages. You are in for a bit of a shock, to be honest, because everything's different. You've got, obviously the writing system is completely different. The culture, I imagine you've got some, a certain familiarity with the culture, but that factors heavily into the language learning process as as well. Any of you guys who've heard me talk about my experiences in Japan before will, will uh, remember that, you know, you can't just learn the language in isolation. You have to learn all about the culture um but also you've got you've got a comp- totally different vocabulary set you've got a, a different grammar chinese grammar is not particularly uh challenging compared to other languages but you do have a huge amount of vocabulary to learn and then you know obviously the whole writing system as well so you've got a lot to cover and the main thing is that it takes time i've found with my asian languages that studying gets you so far but it's just a question of getting used to the language, giving it time. I, I tend to find that my familiarity with the language takes leaps, uh, takes leap leaps forward in sets of six months. So, after six months of doing one particular thing or studying in one particular way, I'll I'll, I'll suddenly feel this uh, improvement or this this big step forward, and you know that is so such a huge part of it. And I think going into the Chinese learning process, expecting it to be a, a, a process that's maybe perhaps as rapid as learning, say, French or Spanish, is, is a mistake. You have to take a longer term view of it. Um, and again, you might like to check out episode 10 of the podcast uh, in regards to that. That's We talked about there how to learn a language that's completely different from your own. So definitely go back and check that out. I will teach your language.com forward slash episode 10. So, Zina, I hope that helps. Like, um, I think you've got lots of reasons to be positive, um, but it is going to take time. You 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 shouldn't underestimate the the challenge in front of you. But I think you've got lots of opportunities and hopefully it will be like a fascinating journey for you to, to rediscover that part of your of your past. And like I said, I'd love to know the experience you have, if you can track down some of those old resources and what if any light bulbs go off in your head. So if you would like to ask me a question, please do head over to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash ask and you can leave a question there. I also really appreciate reviews. So if you've been enjoying the podcast, then uh, if you could take a second to head over to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast, that's fantastic. It's hugely motivating for me to uh, to get reviews and to see you guys uh, reacting to the podcast. If you'd like to do that, you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash review. Now at the end of every episode, I'd like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. And this one is especially for Zina and all of you guys out there who are learning Chinese. And I've put together a humongous resource page for Chinese. It is truly epic. Uh with the help of my friend John. And uh, yeah, you should go and check that out because that's got links to everything under the sun. Uh and you can get that. Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if you go to I will teach you a forward slash episode eighty-nine then you'll find a link to that. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast.